0: You may have a seat. How's everybody doing? Wow. That was fun, right? Some of you guys knew those songs. Some of you, it was like Christmas time where you're waiting for the words to come up and you're like, yeah, that's the words. I knew that. But it was good, wasn't it? I wanted them to dress up. We all dress up like the 90s. And, then I, and Lauren's like, well, everybody dresses like the 90s now, so it's kind of come back around. And we need to do like 70 songs, maybe some Petra, what's <laughs> Striper, Striper's the other band, I don't remember, a couple of you remember Striper, it's all right, I'm the same way. So there is a game going on today, do you all know that? Yeah, like, is anybody going to celebrate the game? Right, Eagles and the Chiefs, right, do we have any Eagles fans in here, any Chiefs? Like actual fans. I know, that's kind of how I feel. There's a couple. Like, not now, if you like the color, you know, like, well, I like red, so I'm going to be a cheat. I get it. You know, I'm that same person. So, but hopefully you guys ha- do have a team. Maybe maybe next year it'll be different, and we'll get some teams that we actually support. You know, we'll try. But if you are the Lone Ranger like the Eagles, good for you. Um, games, right? Last week, we talked about a few games, and some of those games were that you remember. Remember Wheel of Fortune or Let's Make a Deal? We talked about Monty Hall, where he talks about behind door number one, door number two, door number three. And the goal of these games, as is any game, wouldn't you agree, is the, the goal is to win. Wouldn't you say that's the goal of most games is to win? Some people like to lose, but I like to win. Ephesians 1:3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Now, most people relate to God, loving them, based on their circumstances, on their emotions. Wouldn't you agree, like, whatever's going on in your life at the time, you might relate to God's love and him loving you more, whether you have a lot of money in the bank, right? Could we agree? Like, sometimes when there's more money in the bank, you're like, man, God loves me a lot. Every time I look at that account, man, he supplies all my needs. Woo! Right? The problem with this outlook, though, right, the, the way we look at this is people give up sometimes. When life throws you some doozies, everybody knows what doozies is. It's like the big bad day. Okay. But Jesus actually told us, he said, you will have trouble in this world. And I want to tell you, contrary to popular belief, God's love isn't contingent in what is happening in our lives. Right, and what I mean by that is we are blessed because we see we just or we're not blessed just because we see everything working out in our favor every single day. Okay, we are blessed because He loves us. Now, the rest, the next verse after that, Ephesians one four, it says, "Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love." That's, why we, that's how we know that God loves us is because he chose us before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in him in love. And last week I gave you all four things that God's love is. Does everybody remember that? Four things that God's love is. And I know I'm going to surprise you this week. I'm going to give you four things that God's love is not. Four things that God's love is not. The first thing I want to present this week that God's love is not is God's love is not weak. God's love is not weak. It's not wimpy. It's not any of those things. Um, How many of you know that there is a day that's rapidly approaching men just a heads up? There is February 14th that's happening this week. Did you know that? You're like, what is that? Is that a birthday? Is that an anniversary? What is that, right? Get it. But uh, Valentine's Day is coming up and it's, it's right around the corner and I have, I'm super romantic and so I'm going to give you guys a suggestion this week about what to do, okay? Because maybe you didn't plan, it's probably too late for the restaurant situation. Uh, some of you are pulling out your phones to try and make some texts to calls to get things done. I get it, right? I get it. So I would recommend staying home this week, okay, and just renting a movie. I know Blockbuster, we don't have that anymore, but maybe look on Prime, and the movie I'm going to suggest, because I'm so romantic, that there is a little bit of romance in it, there's kind of a bad guy that tries to get him, but everything kind of works out in the end, but it is The Terminator, (laughs) right? Has anybody seen that movie? There's some romance in there, like, you know... Connor, Sarah Connor and all that, right? Everybody kind of remembers it. Um, Has anybody seen this movie, right? Like, it's a pretty good movie. Uh, Now, I will tell you that I have not seen the complete number one. There's like six, maybe seven. I can't remember how many Terminators. It's a billion-dollar movie situation, but they're just continuing to come out, and I think they'll even be there after Arnold Schwarzenegger. They'll still continue to come out. Um, but I didn't see number one. I was too young. I've seen parts of it. I don't know if I was like sneaking out while my parents were watching it, but I feel like I've seen parts of the movie of number one. I will tell you, I did see number two, which is Judgment Day, okay? I would say that was the best sequel I've ever seen in my life, and I saw it in the theater when I was a teenager, okay? Um, Now, just to give you a little, maybe you haven't seen it, maybe you're not an Arnold Schwarzenegger fan or any of these things, but um, in Judgment Day, there are two Terminators, okay? There's, I'm gonna give you a little, you guys gonna hang in there? I'm gonna give you a little subject matter here, but T800, okay, which is Arnold, and then there's the T1000, which is a much more advanced model of a Terminator. One was sent to protect, and the other one was sent to destroy, okay? And I, if, you, if you watched Judgment Day, which that was the first one I'd seen, it was a little confusing to me for uh, maybe quarter or the halfway through the movie because everyone is running from Arnold Schwarzenegger, okay? And I'm like, he's there to protect you. What are you so afraid of? But the problem was, is if you had watched number one, you would knew you would know that the T-800 was there to destroy Sarah Connor, right? Was to destroy who was going to be John, Jonathan Connor, which was going to be her son. And so he was there to destroy her. And so number two was a little confusing because of that part. But... What you find out, I know this is going to be a spoiler alert, sorry, it was like 32 years ago when it came out, but he actually lays his life down in number two for both of them. I think he does it in almost every single one. You remember one of the lines that he did in number two was he would say, come with me if you want to live. Does everybody remember that? Come with me if you want to live, right? It's that. I'm not that good at his accent, but... I have to try so that people can make fun of me later. But T-1000 was one of the questions I always had about it was the T-1000 was a much more advanced model. would you agree? Do you guys remember T-1000? It was much more advanced. The T-800 was a little not as advanced. It was, it, but yet they kept sending him back. And I always wondered why that was. And I believe that one of the reasons why they always sent the T-800 back was because it was so fierce, right? It was one of the most fierce terminators that there were and if you look up that word fierce it means ferocious it means savage it means furious it means brutish now john 3 16 everybody can quote that but john three seventeen, it said god did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world but to be its savior and to rescue it the cross can we agree was no easy task the cross was no easy test. God's love is not weak, but it is fierce. And not fierce towards us, but actually fierce for us. It's not fierce towards us, but fierce about us. It took a tough, fierce protector to defend us. Wouldn't you agree? Romans 8, verses 1 through 3. So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. Verse two, it says, For the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. Verse three, for God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. I love the New King James. It says, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, right? The cross is a fierce defender for us and from certain things and how so. It was fierce towards shame. It prevents us from having shame. It was fierce towards condemnation. It was fierce towards the law. It was fierce and it is fierce towards the religious. It is fierce towards self-effort. It was fierce so that you and I don't have to be fierce. It was fierce so that we can hide behind the protector who made a way so that we don't have to make our own way. Now, some of you might be wondering, is Matt comparing Jesus to Arnold Schwarzenegger? There might be that possibility. I'm just going to leave you with that, okay? I'm going to leave you with that. We're going to continue. Number two, God's love is not half-hearted. God's love is not half-hearted. Now, how many of you have ever liked someone when you were younger where the, you had a crush? Did anybody ever have any crushes in here, right? Like, I hated, I hated having crushes because I always was nervous, like, are they ever gonna crush back? Like, is this gonna work out in my favor where they're gonna like me back? Now, some of you might have had the other way where people crushed on you. Did anybody ever have that, where they were crushing on you? I mean, I had it all the time, okay? So, yeah, let me preach, Amen. My wife, for instance, she liked me way before I liked her, huh, Ruthie? Isn't that right? (laughs) She actually spotted me out at Bible school. I was faking an English accent. This is tips, all right? With a friend of mine, I was faking an English accent, and Ruthie was two rows behind. She's like, who is that cute-looking guy from the English English world, right? England. (laughs) She loved me way before I loved her. 1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. See, God's love isn't half-hearted because he loved us first. The truth is, God's love towards us is crazy. It's a crazy kind of love. He loves you. Think about this. He loves you when you're up. He loves you when you're down. He loves you when you've got it all figured out and you're doing all the right things. He loves you when you haven't done all the right things right? And for a lot of years, I taught and believed I was fairly self-righteous, right? Like I believed, man, I had figured it out, and it's my goal to now teach other people how to become more like Jesus and how to be self-righteous like I thought I was. And what's amazing about God is whether, you're preach, whether you've preached it and you've told other people or you've sat in a chair and you've received it and you've believed all those things and you've made all the self-effort, God's love didn't change for us. It wasn't up, it wasn't down, it was consistent towards us. But question still remains is but does God still love me when I sin? Yes, of course, his love actually never ends. He loves you even when you sin. Let me prove it to you. Romans 5:8. It says, but God shows his love for us, and that while we were sinners, we brought this up last week, while we were sinners. Christ died for us. That's called crazy kind of love, right? Sometimes, like, I don't know if you guys are this way, but sometimes I wish I was a half-hearted person. Does anybody know what I mean? Like, sometimes I wish I was a little more on the chill side. Like, I wish I was a little more relaxed, that I, didn't, I wasn't so passionate about different things. Like, sometimes I wish I didn't have to have my coffee in the morning, but sometimes I have to have my coffee, and if I don't get my coffee, I don't know what I'm going to do, Right? just certain things i wish i was just a little more relaxed about in fact i don't even really have many friends that are not relaxed right like i have friends that i can call like at any given moment all over the country and say hey can we do something crazy and they're like yeah let's go do it like they usually send me pictures like let's go do this right and i wish that wasn't the case i wish i wasn't a go bigger go home kind of person but can i tell you that god is a go bigger go kind of person he went all in. He went big, and he's like, I don't really care if I'm a go-big-or-go-home kind, of pers- go kind of person. Good news is, he is that exact same way. First John 2.2, let me prove it to you. When he served as a sacrifice, when he served as a sacrifice for our sins, he solved the sin problem for good, and not only ours, but for the whole world's. He paid the sacrifice for not just our sins but for the whole world. Have you ever overpaid for something? Have you ever gone to a restaurant and they charged you for two diet cokes instead of one, right? Like I'm not that person. I usually let those things go, but I do know people that they're like, "Hey, you come here, waiter, right? Come here and look at this and you charged us for two diet cokes instead of one." Right? And you make sure that you get that money back because you didn't drink two Diet Cokes. Now you got a refill, but you didn't order two Diet Cokes. Right? And you make sure. You know what's funny about God is he overpaid on the bill. And then he said, keep the change, and he gave a tip on top of it. He said, it's all yours. That's how our God works is he's a go big or go home kind of person. So the the third thing that I want to tell you that God's love is not, is God's love is not intimidating. God's love is not intimidating. Now that word intimidating, if you don't know, it just means causing a loss of courage or self-confidence, producing feelings of fear or timidity of fear or timidity. Now, you remember me, I've talked about it last week and this week, but I started off both messages talking about these game shows, right? And how there's the let's make it a a deal where there's door number one, door number two, door number three, but you want to know what keeps these shows interesting and most shows interesting is there is a level of fear that happens in these shows. Not fear that they might win, but fear that somebody is probably going to lose. In other words, fear actually sells shows. Fear sells shows. Like think of Survivor, right? Which had, I don't know how many different years that it went on and on and on. I don't know if it's still going. Some of y'all would know, but it just seemed to go on and on forever, right? And people didn't watch that show because everybody showed up on the island and everyone won, no, a lot of people watch that show for the fact that everyone else is going to lose except for one person. It's also like, I think the show's called um, The Bachelor, right? Everybody knows The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. People don't watch that show because the two get to ride off in the sunset because they've won. Everybody watches the show because somebody's going to get a rose and go home throwing a big fit, Right? There is a level of fear there, and unfortunately, some churches and some places are gonna be filled up because they sell fear. They sell that we actually have to be afraid of God. We have to be intimidated about God. We have to be unsure about what's behind door number one, door number two, door number three, right? It trails all the way back. If we can go back to the garden, Genesis 3, 7 through 10, I'm gonna read to you. It says, and as they ate it, "'Suddenly they became aware of their nakedness "'and were embarrassed, "'so they strung fig leaves together "'to cover themselves around the hips. "'That evening they heard the sound of the Lord God "'walking in the garden, "'and they hid themselves among the trees. "'The Lord God called to Adam, "'Why are you hiding?' "'And Adam replied, "'I heard you coming,' and didn't want you to see me naked, so I hid. And what I want to present to you is one of the first reactions in the garden was fear. One of the first things after man fell was they were afraid. And it would be easy for me to stand up here and tell you that if you don't think right, that if you don't act right, that if you don't be right, if you're not all of those things, then guess what? God is going to come after you. He is going, and man, we could fill this church, we could fill multiple churches up. But you know what? I don't believe that's how God works, right? Flesh wants to try, though. Flesh wants to try. And I think that's, that's why you saw uh, Adam and Eve using fig, tr- fig leaves. That's ridiculous, right? As if that's going to gain God's approval. And I believe that's also why Jesus cursed the fig tree, because he didn't want man to think anymore that it was going to be okay for them to continue to try and please God. He was going to make a way so that that was never possible again. Us being afraid of God was one of the first things to come after the fall. I believe it needs to be in the believer's life. One of the first things that needs to go away is our intimidation and our fear of who God is. And behind, behind what's door number one, door number two, door number three. First John 4.8. I'm sorry, 418, 1 John 418 in the living, it says we need to have no fear of someone who loves us perfectly. His perfect love for us eliminates all dread of what he might do to us. If we are afraid, it is for fear of what he might do to us and shows that we are not fully convinced that he really loves us. Can I tell you, it says that his perfect love eliminates all dread. It terminates it. When we fully understand how much God loves us, we won't be afraid to talk to him. We won't call him the man upstairs. We'll recognize who it is that's waiting for us on the other side of the door. Most fear about God is actually in our heads. Did you know that? Most of the time, it's just in here. And I kind of relate it back to when I was, I I told you all last week that I used to work at Walmart. I was about 17 years old, and I'd gotten my first job there, and I worked back in the back, and I had transferred positions. And I remember I wanted to go back to this other position that was like a Monday through Friday. I could still go to church and all this, and I wanted to call my boss, and they had this thing called the open door policy. I think they still have it there, where you could talk to them about anything, and there would be no repercussions. And I was nervous about even doing that and I actually waited three months where I called my mom at work. I wanted to talk to her. I called her on the pay phone. Do you guys remember those? Remember those? Those are like pay phones like at the store. And I called her and I was like, hey mom, um, so I wanna talk to my boss about pulling back and switching over to this other position. And she's like, why don't you go do it? And I said, well, I'm afraid. She's like, what's the worst he could say? And she goes, He could say he could say no. And that would be the answer. So I called him up. I said, Hey, his name was Jeff. I said, Jeff, can I come talk to you real quick? I want to use the open door policy. I went back there. He met me back. I remember where he met me. And he was so he was so terrified of what I had to say. He was terrified of it. He's like, What is he gonna tell me? Because he's acting like it's a big deal. I was like, hey, I was like, Can I switch back to that other position? And he's like Instantly, he was like, of course you can. He's, he's like, even if it doesn't exist, we'll create a whole nother position for you to work at. It doesn't matter. And he's like, how long have you been holding on to this? And I said, oh, probably three months. And he's like, Matt, he's like, you should have come to me way a long time ago. He's like, if you're confused about how my response is gonna be, come talk to me anytime you want. And I believe that's how God is with us. If we got something we need to talk to God about. He's just like, What's, what are you holding back for? What are you afraid of? 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. Right? I love that. That's why 2 Timothy 2.15, it's not in your notes, but it says to study to show yourself approved, a workman unto God who needs not to be ashamed. Study to show yourself that you're approved, not God that you're approved. You're already approved in him. The fourth thing I believe that God's love is not, is it's not stressed out. God's love is not stressed out. And I get comments all the time, after service, after other people preach, I get comments after service out in the lobby where I'll have people come to me and I I think it's genuine and I love it and I think we'll probably be answering these questions forever. But I get questions like, Matt, don't you think we still need to talk about sin? Don't you think we need to still tell people about all the things that they need to do, right? Right? And I had a buddy that did this with his church and I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you all the same questions but you can raise your hand if you want to. But um, questions like, how many of you, you've been, some of you have been going here, maybe this is your first day. Some of you have been here for 15 years plus. You've been listening to Clark, you've read his book. You've heard a lot of scripture, right, that talks about all these things. And we don't really talk about some of those things that people want me to talk about every single week. But my question is, how many of you think it's okay to steal? Does anybody think it's okay to steal in here? Right? How many of you think it's okay to murder? Now, nobody's going to raise their hand on that, I'm sure. If so, we have the police outside waiting for you. How many of you think it's okay to lie? Does anybody think it's okay to lie in here? Right? Right? And doesn't that show you, doesn't that prove to you that you can talk about grace over and over and you still don't want to do all the things that everybody is telling, telling us that we need to say. But Matt, if, if you preach too much grace and you preach too much about God's love, people will run out and do bad things. And I want to tell you, whether you're in a church that tells you everything that you need to do, whether they preach what I call the Veggie Tales gospel, do this, do that, do this, do that, do good, all those things, right? When they tell you those things, people will still do bad things. Did you know that? And then if, you, if I preach grace to you and God's love, and people will still do bad things. It doesn't matter. It's dependent on the recipient. It's dependent on what you want to. Because really, Galatians 5, 6, it says, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. If he sows to the flesh, he'll reap corruption. Not corruption between him and God, but you'll have some punishments here on the earth. If you steal, I promise you there will be consequences that happen. But between you and God, that, that kind of thing doesn't happen. I've had a lot of young guys that I've tried to mentor over the years. And I've tried to help them along the way. And they'll come to me with these, like, serious questions. Okay, Matt, I'm dealing with this. What do I do about this? And I'll tell them, and I'll tell them. And I remember telling the same person the same thing for years and years and years. And eventually, I just kind of give up. I'm like, they got to figure it out on their own, right? And then they come to me about a year later, and they're like, Matt, I met this guy at the gas station, and he told me I should do this to overcome this. And it worked. And I'm like, hallelujah. Good. God did something. I'm so glad for you. I'm so glad that worked out. But that's really the point is, it's up to the recipient on how they want to do. God's love is not a taskmaster. It's not a micromanager. It's not a disciplinarian. Matt, don't we still have a responsibility to tell people what to do, though? I want to present to you this scripture that I opened up with last week, 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, for God will never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. The Aramaic translation says, but of power and of love and of instruction. And the waymouth translation says, but one of power and of love and of sound judgment. See, I believe that instead of telling everybody what to do all the time, we get to listen to the Holy Spirit. We get to ask the Holy Spirit, okay, how do I love this person how I should, right? Because you can get all the instructions. I could lay out for you all the things, how to love this person, how to forgive, how to not be offended, right? But when we can listen to the Holy Spirit and what he's telling us, we can love way better. We can love way more. We can forgive way more because it's from his capabilities and not our own. And it's not for any other reason other than just to let God, do what God does best, which is to love people. Amen? Let me pray over you guys and uh, pray that you have a great week. I pray that you, you do get to just rest in his love, rest in what he's done for you, rest in the fact that he loves you. There's not anything that we need to be intimidated by. We get to come to him about anything. There is an open door policy with God. And he loves us so much. And if we just lean on his spirit, he will will help us to do all those things that we wanna do. Amen. Father, we just thank you, God, for each person that's in here. We thank you, God, that you give us strength, God, to do those things that are set before us, God. We thank you, God, if there's people in our lives that we're struggling to love right now, God, I ask that, God, we learn that you loved us first. Your love is crazy about us. We can only love them so far, so much in the flesh, God, but you can love them through us. I thank you, God, for each person that you speak to us, you give us wisdom this week. We trust you with all of that. In Jesus' name, everybody said.